Hi there, it's Barry from Turning the Page again. You know, one of the things that I do a lot is, and um, I really enjoy doing it, is I listen to people's stories. And I sort of wonder where God is in those stories. And often the stories are, mess, uh, are messy. <laughs> There's brokenness, hurt, pain. But I often listen for, for two things. One is what is happening in the uh, here and now, the red dot. Now, um, just a couple of days ago, I went into a place and I was looking on a map and it was the, the there was an arrow pointing and at the end of the arrow was a red dot. And the arrow said, you are here, you know, and you find these in shopping malls, don't you? Uh, you enter into the mall and there's a big map in front of you and you want to go to a particular shop, but you don't know where that shop is. And so there's this map and you and you look at it and there's an arrow pointing down to a position where there's a dot and it says you are here. It's that central you are here groundedness that I am really interested in. And where are they right now in their soul, right here, right now, as I talk with them? The second thing is... Um, I'm listening for is what is going on around them what is God up to in this mess right now <laughs> they are so often so captured by the mess that they can't see outside of themselves and they really wanted outside perspective if if there is a, a you are here knowing then I want to express a you are within connection to them and I want them to know three things, that they are held, they are known, and they are loved. And one of the concepts that has surprised me many years ago was with that I am part of the meta-narrative of God, the big story of God, what God is up to, like the story of eternity, that I am part of the eternal flow that has happened and will continue to go on forever. And the Bible expresses stories of people just like myself and yourself that are, are caught up in this Gulf Stream of God's goodness. And this three-person dancing trinity sweeps around me along and seems to, at times, um, kind of sneakily in the background, orchestrate things to bring about perfect symphonic harmony. And Paul alludes this in Romans 28, when he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And also he goes on to say, We can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked out into something good. And there was a little phrase that I think points to this background movement of God. And have you ever noticed this subtle little phrase acting itself out in your life? And I read these words, and it just so happened. And I read those words, and it just so happened in the Bible. And I have a sneaky little suspicion that God is up to something, something good. It's like, you know, when the boyfriend that, you know, it's like that boyfriend that just so happens to turn up at the girlfriend's place around an hour before dinner. You know? <laughs> there is a kind of background motivation going on that 
we need to sit with and let it be revealed. You know, what's really going on here? Just so happened. And there are many examples of this in the Bible. And I want to focus on two of them. These two are so intertwined in how they point to this larger story of God that we are in. A mother and her daughter-in-law, both widows, return home from a foreign land. They are poor. They're widows. They've lost husbands. Okay. And you may well know the story is the story of Ruth and Naomi, but the, the mother-in-law, Naomi, she is bitter and angry at God. Uh, yeah. Really, really bitter and angry. Ruth, her foreigner daughter-in-law, is trusting and hopeful. But they are in incredible deep need, like many of us, for something to happen, something good. They're holding out for something good to happen. They've got no one to care for them uh, and to look after their needs. But God is at work in the background. Uh, they need food and it is harvest time. And one of the laws that God set down for the people of Israel was that the landowners were to leave the edges of the fields as places for the poor to go and harvest from. So you couldn't harvest the whole field. You had to leave some of the edges so poor people could go and harvest. God cared for the poor and still does. And the law was this in Leviticus 23. When you reap the harvest of your land, don't reap the corners of your field or gather the gleanings. You know, don't, don't pick over and get every last bit. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners. I am God, your God. And God is just saying, don't, don't, don't become reliant on your ability to get everything out of the place. No, no, no. Leave it. I'm, I'm going to look after you. And so Ruth goes to the harvest from that which was left behind. Uh, and now Naomi, her mother-in-law, had this really rich relative named Boaz from Elimelech's family. All right. And one day, Ruth the Moabite, this is her daughter-in-law, uh, said to Naomi, I'm going to the fields. Maybe someone will be kind enough to let me gather the grain he leaves behind. Okay, so she is going to go and glean what she could get. You know, desperate. Naomi said, go, my daughter. So Ruth went to the fields and gathered the grain that the workers cutting the grain had left behind. Here's the phrase. It just so happened, tell you with me, it just so happened that the field belonged to Boaz from Elimelech's family. And the rest of the story goes on to a love story of Boaz and Ruth marrying and having a baby. Oh, and by the name, the name of the town that this all happened in, it was Bethlehem. Yes, that Bethlehem of the Christmas story. Just so happened, just so happened that this was Bethlehem, okay? Okay, here's the next uh, just so happened story. Uh, she was a pregnant teenager. She had been told by an angel that she was going to be pregnant with God, that she would have a baby, but it wasn't going to be her fiancé um, as the father. Her fiancé, Joseph, was told that it wasn't going to be his, but he was to look after Mary and to carry on and to marry her. Now, lots of mysterious stuff going down there, isn't it? Lots. Like, hold on. She's going to have a baby, but the baby wasn't her fiancé's and that hadn't had sex. And it was, yeah, 
Hello. You try explaining that. But, you know, every th- everybody would have thought it was terrible having a baby outside of marriage. All right. Um, but God was on the move. <laughs> and Luke doesn't record the words, and it just so happened. But I think it would fit well into this Christmas story. At that time, or brackets, and it just so happened, <laughs> Augustus Caesar sent out an order that all the people in the countries under the Roman rule must list their names in a register. This was the first registration. It was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to their hometown, their own towns, to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Hello, Bethlehem in Judea. Hello, we just heard about Bethlehem. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, so so Joseph was returning to his hometown, which was Bethlehem. Hold on. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. All right. Joseph registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and now was pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her first son because there were no rooms left in the inn she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough it just so happened that a census was being taken it just so happened that Joseph was from Bethlehem and according to the rules of the census he had to return to his hometown it just so happened that Mary gave birth to Jesus in Bethlehem, the same place Naomi went home to with Ruth, who had just so happened to glean in a field owned by Boaz. It just so happens that there is a direct genealogical connection between Boaz and Joseph. And I've got a um, reference in the show notes about that um, in, from Matthew 1, 5 to 6. And you can trace it right, just so happened. <laughs> it's interesting. It's fascinating. It, it, I don't know, it brings an assurance to me to know that there is a bigger picture to be seen and there is a larger story going on. Now look, it's not something to get obsessed with. I don't believe God would want you to look at every little thing to see if there's a secret meaning, a code or a theory. No, I simply believe that God can use the most seemingly hopeless of situations to bring about the larger story going on. There is a a pilgrimage. Uh, not a plan of precision perfection. There is a path, not a tightrope where you worry about falling off. There is a, dem- a dance, not a demand to follow in rigorous leg- legality. God doesn't take away our free will to choose. Ruth still had to choose to go to a field and gather grain. Joseph and Mary still had to choose to take the long pregnant journey to Bethlehem. You still have to do the work Get out there, look out for opportunities, but perhaps in your grain fields there might be instances of, and it just so happened. (laughs) All right, Um, here's some quotes for you to think about. Oftentimes we're looking for nice, clean, logical explanations about why we feel this compulsion and need to give efforts to something. Yeah, we like that, don't we? Okay. There might not be any explanations other than something within you says that says, if I don't head in this direction, something within me will die. Oh boy. Love that. Rob Bell. 
A full search into our soul causes life to begin, not end. And then, it's as if we've never lived before. Dark nights may not go away, but they hold the promise of a bright morning. This world's sunsets become another world's sunrises. And joy comes into sight. Larry Crabbe Every hard thing we endure can put us in touch with our desire for God. And every trial can strengthen that desire until it becomes the consuming passion of our life. Larry Crabbe Whether life is bumpy or smooth, the most supernatural thing we can do is to want to know God better. To value his pleasure and his purposes above everything else. And to want directions for the journey into his presence more than a plan for making life work. Love that. Larry Crabbe. Immature spirituality focuses on experience. Mature spirituality focuses on seeing and knowing. David Benner. Mysticism is simply the longing of heart, longing for heart knowing of God. David Benner. Some questions. Number one, how does it feel to be part of something much larger going on? Two, can you reflect back on your life and notice some, and it just so happened, moments? Three, what part does you taking action have a role in God being able to orchestrate those, and it just so happened, moments? I love that post. <laughs> Because I think there's so many and it just so happen moments happening in our life and we don't even realise it. We don't even give thanks. Well, they may just brush over. But God is on the move. And we need to completely um, be open to that. Hey, um, send me an email. Leave me a comment. Um, there's plenty of stuff down in the show notes where you can click on links. Um, and contact me um, just really like to ask if you've got a spare American dollar a dollar in your back pocket and if you'd like to help turning the page keep on doing what we're doing that would be helpful there's a donation thing jiggy linky thingy in the show notes but until next time just be open to those and it just so happened moments okay bye